Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. On this episode, I'm delighted to introduce Carolyn Pearson, CEO of Maiden Voyage and an international speaker. Carolyn has grown a very successful business from a very small start, and she's going to talk about the sales processes of a successful entrepreneur, maintaining momentum across your sales function and how to use technology to ensure that you focus on the winnable business. Hope you enjoy the podcast. So, this morning on the podcast, I'm delighted to have as a guest, Carolyn Pearson. Carolyn's CEO of Maiden Voyage and also an international speaker on all things to do with diverse traveller safety and security. She's a fantastic businesswoman. I want to talk to her today about the sales process of a successful entrepreneur. So, Carolyn, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Nice to see you again. And um, I'm really interested. I obviously will get a chance to talk about Maiden Voyage a little bit in the business, but I'm really interested in your uh, kind of really dynamic approach to how you manage your sales function, really. So we're probably going to explore that a little bit with some questions and then um, see where that goes and take it from there. That's OK. Perfect. Looking forward. Excellent. OK, well, um, as I've mentioned already, you run a successful business uh, that operates globally and takes you to all corners of the globe. I think this month you've been to Dubai and Oslo already. And uh, well, say already, we're on, you know, the, towards the end of the month. But um, And you've got plenty more in, in the pipeline. So how do you manage to secure prestigious travel-related gigs for a business, small business, based out of Leeds in Northern England? Well, you're right, Nick. We get a lot of international travel. We Our biggest client is actually based in Silicon Valley. And I think... Um, the reason that we secure such prestigious clients is that we're really strategic about where we go and find them. Um, so I listened to one of your previous podcasts where you talked about going to local networking events. As mm. you can imagine, that's not what we do. Um, and in fact, um, where we get the most of our business is by speaking at international conferences. And what I find is that the more you do, the more you get invited to do. Mm. Um, and people in those audiences want to be educated. And so what we do is try and be a little bit controversial, push the envelope, be memorable. Mm. Um, and that really opens up a conversation really naturally and really easily. And of course, um, business referrals and, and those types of things bring those clients in as well. I think that one-to-many approach is really good, isn't it? There's lots of businesses have got a good story, but really don't create that platform for themselves to, to tell that. And I know you're, I don't want to use the word relentless, but you are relentless in some respects at pursuing those really valu- valuable opportunities to, like say, ed- educate and inspire your audience. So, so when you go to a one-to-many opportunity where you're, you know, keynote speaker or guest speaker or running a, a, a workshop. Um, do you have a sales mentality at that stage? Is that in your back of your mind or at the front of your mind in terms of maximising that opportunity? No, because um, when I started my business, I had no experience in sales whatsoever and I still find it difficult to do what you would call traditional sales. Mm. So for me, it's a performance. It's about making sure that even if I'm delivering content that I've delivered 20 times before, that it's always fresh 
it's always tailored to that particular audience and that I'm constantly reading the audience to see, you know, am I pushing things too far in terms of controversy or are they really liking this? Am I going to give them more of that? So it's really about creating a really close relationship with them in the room and, and definitely I'm not thinking about sales at that point. Okay. Well, we'll explore a bit later about sort of the follow-up that goes with that because you've created a shop window and you've created some traffic to that shop window, but obviously you've still got to maximise that. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, there are various strings to the boat at Maiden Voyage, aren't they, in terms of speaking, training, e-learning, those kind of areas. You do webinars on uh, security briefings and consultancy. Um that's not unusual for a, a small business to have quite a few kind of diverse challenges and, and, and products and services. So how do you make sure that you are still kind of focusing on the, the, the opportunities in front of you <clears throat> rather than being sort of busy and rather less effective? Well, it's <clears throat> interesting because we just did our sort of year end. And in fact, our revenues are up 80 percent wow. and the team is down 50 percent. Um, and when we look at that, that's because we've outsourced all the things that we don't need to be doing, such as HR, IT, editorial, for mm. example. And actually what we do is we work in our zone of expertise right. and our expertise is um, on travel safety um, for, you know, females and LGBT um, anybody can do, you know, fixing our laptops or, you know, writing our social media as long as they understand us. And mm. so that's where we've been really effective. Okay. I mean, you work across lots of business sectors and, and, and you sort of meet lots of other um, SME business owners. A lot of people don't do that, do they? A lot of people don't do what you do, which is focus on what they're good at and outsource the stuff that, to distraction. No, and it's it's always, um, you know, um, a question for entrepreneurs, at which point can I start bringing um, staff on or mm. which point can I start outsourcing? Quite often they start with a virtual assistant. Mm. But you're right, you know, until, um, you know, last year, I was the person fixing the, the laptops or, mm. you know, maybe writing, um, you know, new member of staff contracts or whatever it might be. And so, you know, by... Me not doing the things that I don't need to do, so that's either delegating to the team yeah. or outsourcing means that what I can do is be the sort of, you know, mouthpiece of the business, get out there, build that brand, um, bring the sales in and work with our sort of premium big clients. Mm. And they're the ones that, that generate recurring revenue as well, aren't they? So on yeah. that basis, it's I used the word strategic earlier, didn't you? And, and it is about being strategic rather than sort of accidental or haphazard, I guess. Yeah, and actually I was mentoring another entrepreneur um, a few months ago and I said to him, what's your worst case scenario? And he said, I'd have to go back and get a job. And I said, okay, and what, what's your best case scenario? And he said, oh, I'd love to have a super yacht. And so I said to him, okay, for every action that you're about to take, you've got to ask yourself, is this going to get you nearer to the super yacht or nearer to going back into employment? Oh, wow. Uh, Wow, that's yeah. I guess that's that focuses the mind, doesn't it? Really, in terms of, but but that is about making the right decisions, isn't it? And and not not being all things to all people. And I think what really impressed me about yourself and Maiden Voyages, you, you really know what you're good at, and you know you don't really get involved in things that are d distraction, do you? No, and you know, um, I think one of my bugbears is quite often well-meaning people introduce you without asking is this a good introduction for me to make for you and then suddenly this introduction lands in your inbox and you know in the past I would have you know gone and had a coffee with that person or you know 
had a longer call or whatever mm. and now I just have to be you know quite not ruthless with my time but I have to say you know this is our strategy that's not what we're focusing on at the moment yeah. so can I politely decline to to follow that up okay um you're an entrepreneur that's in the the title of the podcast the sales process of a successful entrepreneur um entrepreneurs by their very nature take a few risks so how much of your ongoing and current success would you attribute to you taking a few risks investing in the odd punt taking a chance that kind of thing as you've evolved the business well running your own business is a massive risk anyway mm-hmm. and i left the um comfort of a you know big six-figure salary and um, which was doubled every year with bonuses etc um to go away to earn a quarter of what I earned in corporate life and not knowing if I could do this and definitely, you know, making some of this stuff up as I went along. So it's mm. always been a gamble. Every day is a risk. It's like a roller coaster. Um, and actually, that's won me business as well. You know, I was speaking with a large financial services organization um, last week in Dubai. And the guy said to me, I've got so much respect for you. I would not have the guts to do what you do. And and actually, people have told me that they've actually bought from us because of that entrepreneurial spirit. I think it, I think it does come through as well, though, Caroline. I think it, you can tell it's it, entrepreneurial spirit, but it's also passion. It's your business. It's your baby. You have invested your you know energy, blood, sweat, and tears into developing Maiden Voyage from you know when you were working in a, a sort of a, a home office in the middle of, I think I did some work with you, many, in the middle of Halifax or Bradford area or somewhere, to having a, an office in the centre of Leeds, but being a global sort of uh, uh, position brand. So you kind of get your, re- your rewards for for, for you know, being organised and structured and being strategic about what you do. So I think that passion is part of that, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And it's infectious, isn't it? It is, but you've yeah. got to back it up with uh, substance as well, of course. Well, you do. There's a lot... And, and, and what I like about you, which is why one of the things I want to explore with on the sales side, you, you don't class yourself as a salesperson and you're not an infectious salesperson but lacking substance. You know, you are, you are what's the word, authentic, I would say. And, that's, and that comes across. So you don't have to sell. You just have to be authentically you, don't you, really? Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. feels more comfortable for someone who's terrified of selling. <laughs> well, for someone who's terrified of selling, let me, let me explore that a little bit, okay? So you've been in business uh, for a while. How long have you been going as Maiden Voyage? <clears throat> 11 years. Okay, so a mature uh, SME business. You've gone past the initial three-year kind of, you know, first three years of, of uh, 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 fear of failure and all that kind of thing, if you look at the stats. Um, you've tried a few sales in- initiatives over that time uh, to both win and grow your client business. So do you want to share with the, uh, the, the audience a few highs and lows of what you've tried, what worked best, what was a, a dead duck, even though you thought it was going to be, you know, the, the next big idea? <laughs> yeah, so I think well, probably one of the uh, greatest success stories of, of Maiden Voyage was um, years ago I went to pitch to a large international bank based on Canary Wharf. And um, there was about 10 people in the meeting, so some were video conferenced in from... Um, from Carolina um, and in, in London and, and various other places. And it was just myself. And and these people literally sort of ate me for breakfast, you know, and they told me limb from limb. Which I kind of expected it. It was the first meeting. Mm. Um, I was boxing web of my weight. Um, but, um, you know, I left and I wasn't too despondent about it. Was that your first sort of meeting at that level then into as a maiden voyage, going into a corporate sort of big corporate environment, City of London, or have you done some before? I'd done some before, yeah, yeah. and of course my background's corporate, yes. so I wasn't a complete fish out of water. 
Um, anyway, I didn't get the business. And um, years later, um, one of the ladies who'd been on that call contacted me and she said, I've been watching you guys in the press. I see you've taken some investment in the business and I really respect what you're doing in terms of changing the industry. And she said, I'm now working for a large Silicon Valley tech giant and I'd like to know what you could do for our company. Um, and that actually resulted in me flying out there, um, running a pilot with them. Um, at no point did I use any sales techniques at all. Mm. Um, we did the pilot. Um, they really loved it. They said, um, this is great. Won't work for our audience because they're millennials. They won't sit in a classroom all day. We want some power workshops. Mm. Um, could you um, work with us to develop these? Because we spoke to other suppliers and they basically said, take what we've got or forget it. Um, so I think with you know building that relationship, I'm always being humble, being flexible and building something that worked for them, turned them into our biggest client. I mean, to be fair, the collaboration piece of that's really interesting because you don't, and I know from experience, you don't sell what you've got, although that's clearly obviously you do, but you try and look for what they need, don't you? And from your suite of experience, as I would call it, you create the right solution. So whether it's e-learning, whether it's classroom, whether it's like say power workshops, whether it's presentation based, it's those kind of things. It's all from within the, the suite of offerings, but Everything's different and unique for that client, aren't they? Absolutely. So a travel safety workshop for a bank is completely different to a travel safety workshop for, say, a very young sort of tech company. Mm. Okay. Do you want to explain a little bit on, on the sort of services that Maiden Voyage offer them? Because it um, there's not many people do what you do, and there's not many people... In, well, lots of people will be aware of, of, of uh, kind of travel safety, but you, you're a very niche provider, aren't you? Do you want to expand a little bit on, on what that's about? Yeah, so um, when companies are sending staff overseas on business, they've got obviously a duty of care to protect and safeguard those staff. And um, where we go is um, a little bit further on to gender, so female travellers and LGBT. And, and initially, you know, people are a bit nervous about that because, you know, they think, is it patronising? Is it discriminatory? Are we saying that women are less capable um, to travel safely on business? But actually, if you look at the legal restrictions in certain countries or cultural restrictions or so dress codes, sexual harassment, different attitudes to women, um, then, you know, companies, I guess, are failing a little bit on the duty of care if they're not briefing them. And of course, homosexuality is illegal, even punishable by death in, in some countries. And so again, you know, it's better that the staff and employees are, are informed of those issues before mm. they travel so that they can mitigate those risks. And so really what we do is really simple. It's either e-learning um, to, um, you know, educate staff and managers, or we go in and do full day training courses, or we do sort of power workshops, mm. webinars, um, anything that gets um, the uh, the risk mitigation into the heads of the travellers, mm. but also has managers thinking about how they're going to safeguard their staff, because obviously prevention is better than dealing with something after the event. Well, there are, there are some horrific stories on a regular basis in the press, aren't there, of, of uh, you know people on business travel who are you know, regrettably involved in some horrific incidents. And like you say, prevention is better than cure. But I do love the fact that you are 
uh, niche and you know what you do with niche doesn't I didn't mean that in a patronizing way but niche means specialists and experts and you know I think people these days value specialism much more than they value generalism don't they yeah and everybody wants <laughs> to be educated you know um, we work with um, the the large corporate travel agencies and when they go out to see their clients the clients don't want to talk about account management or you know um, how many travelers have traveled to x y and z they want to be educated and mm. so actually we also educate the travel management companies so that they can get this idea into people's heads that you do need to be thinking about travel safety duty of care and uh, gender yeah okay well that's i mean it, it is it's it it's the passion isn't it for education which doesn't sound like selling but we're going to come on to how do you manage your sales pipeline because i've worked with you guys for a while and um you've got a, a really rigorous approach to managing data and data for me as a sales professional is the lifeblood of a good effective sales function. So you started off, I guess, with, with a small amount of, of prospects. That's now grown. You've got, you know, to manage a, a existing accounts, prospects, um, your different place of the pipeline. So you use a, a, a CRM system. Um, and and it, the one that you use called Pipedrive, I've, I've come across a lot and I do like Pipedrive. It's very simple. Um, do you want to share with us about why you went about choosing pipe drive and how you use that to drive your sales function? Because it's really, really effective for you, isn't it? Yeah. So um, lucky for me, my background's tech. So I was leading tech teams for Blue Chips prior to launching Maiden Voyage. So I know about, you know, sort of working out what you want from software and then evaluating against those requirements rather than just going and getting something because it's, you know, sexy. Mm. Um, so our requirements really were something, as you say, simple. Um, something that would allow us to manage the different stages of a sale, um, capture conversations, um, contact details, um, and just be able to visually see where deals were. Because we had deals in spreadsheets, in emails, in the back of our heads. You know, there's deals everywhere. Mm. And so once we implemented Pipe, Pipe Drive, I think probably found three or 400 deals just kicking about. And then we could really start to dig down, analyze them. Um, and in fact, you know, every Monday morning we have a sales meeting and, you know, we look at the sales forecast, we look at every single deal that's, you know, due to convert in the next mm. uh, month or two months. So as you can see, I'm really comfortable with the process of selling and, you know, the academic side. Yeah. I just, it just scares me a little bit if I sound a bit pushy. Well, I think I've used this phrase before that you're better at selling than you think you are. And, <laughs> and you. I think you, you sort of blushed with embarrassment at that last time I spoke to you about that. But I think it's not about being salesy. It is about being authentic and is about being uh you know driving your expertise really so pipe drive allows you um to have a, a what i call a dashboard visual don't you? you can see it any on any sort of report level this this is due to drop this is sitting cold this is you know at a level where we need to interact and re-engage it that kind of thing one of the things i think that you're really good at in the right way is culling time wasters so a lot of people who run organizations are frightened of doing what you do really well because what they think is, oh, what if they come back or I've invested such amount of time, you know, sending proposals and chasing up with emails and all that kind of thing. But every now and again, you have a what I would call a cull on your um, perceived time wasters or in your pipeline. Do you want to explain a little bit about why you do that and how you do that? And what's been the impact of that? Yeah, so for example, you might get someone into the pipeline who you've met at an exhibition, could be um, really enthusiastic PA, but that PA, um, she's not got decision-making ability, she's not a budget holder, she can't necessarily influence 
um, that particular sale. And so you're right. Um, when you get a lead, you get excited. You think, oh, my God, you know, this person works for, you know, a huge organization. I'd love to get in there. But actually, that deal's probably never going to convert. Mm. And if you look through the history, you know, you've got emails going out. You've, you've called them. It's all it's all you chasing them. And one, there's not uh, a lot coming back. Oh, one way. Yeah, it is a bit like dating, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and so... Um, in the end, you know, you've got to work out where's your time best spent. You mm. know, these this particular client in Silicon Valley, for example, if I had 10 of them, it would be really easy. Yeah. But then you can easily get distracted by the noise of 50, 60 of these, what you call, Nick, tyre kickers. Yeah. Um, you love what we do, but they're never going to be in a position to buy. Um, and so you've got to be careful that it might be the right organisation, but the wrong person. Yeah. So you can't just, you know, discard something. But if it's just not going anywhere and they're not introducing you to the right person and, you know, there's easier deals, there's low-hanging fruit to go after, then um, a couple of things that we do, we might send them a Dear John. I love the Dear John, which is basically, you know, we've been talking for some time now, um, not heard back from you. Is business travel safety still a priority for you? Uh, and I don't mean that in a sort of patronising, passive-aggressive way, but just asking the question, is mm. it a priority? Are you going to do anything with this or not? Is this going to find traction? Is it going to get the budget next year, this year? Yeah. Or say, just really asking if, if it's still relevant to them. Because yeah. I'd rather have a, a no, actually, than them sitting there, you know, clogging up the pipeline. Mm. And, of course, we don't just completely obliterate them. What we do is we put them in what we call our hibernating pipeline. Mm. And then if we bring out a new product or we've got a new piece of news or, or whatever it might be, then they still get that information. So we still stay in touch with them. Mm. We connect with everybody on LinkedIn, you know, so they're seeing what we're doing. We're very good at, you know, posting content out. So we're not saying we're not going to work with you now or, you know, never. And in fact, as we saw from that bank, that lady moved on to um, the Silicon Valley company yeah. and, um, and she ended up becoming our biggest client. So it may be that they're in a position where they really love your stuff. Well, they can't get traction within their own organisation, but they might move on. So, mm. you know, we never, you know, just bin somebody off. No, no, but I think you've got some good advocates as well who, even if they can't really influence in their organisation, are quite happy to sort of bang the drum and share your content as well, aren't they? Because they do, a lot of people do like, respect, and, and, and in effect love what you're doing, aren't they? Yeah, so there was um, another sort of cool tech company guy who said, I really love your stuff. There's no way I'm going to be able to sell it in, but mm. I will share your exec briefing webinar with three or four of my colleagues. And so, yeah, the, the net just gets wider. Yeah, it does. I think that that's the key, isn't it? When the net gets wider, for a small business, a small, medium-sized business, you do get easily distracted, like you say, by the noise. You get, oh, we should be chasing them. What a great name. What a great prospect. We should be working with them. But I do really like this approach that you've got. But it's all driven by the CRM as well, isn't it? Because the CRM pipe drive, you'll see a deal on your dashboard and it just it's so obvious the way the dashboard is presented that that's just cold or that's yeah. just not moving so you can you can do it quite effectively and quite efficiently as well can't you really yeah so it tells you sort of a deal rotting age and you know so if something's going into a couple of years it's probably best to spend your efforts elsewhere i mean we've got some really sexy companies in our pipeline but mm. They're just not ready. They they definitely want to do business with us, mm. but they've got to do a bigger project first because, as you say, uh, we're quite niche. So they might be putting their entire travel risk strategy in place. And actually, once that's in place, they'll do a gap analysis, work out that that bit's not really well looked after, mm. and then we can then come in and, and be the cherry on top. Well, from a sales point of view, I, I, I teach this all day long, every day to all my clients. 
you'll get a yes, and that's great. That's someone saying, yeah, let's have your product or service. That's, a, that's, that's an order take. That's great. You get a firm no. I'm okay with those as well. Someone says, you know what? Thanks for that. Not for us. It's never going to be for us. That's okay. But the vast majority of sales potential is not today. And not today is for all sorts of reasons, isn't it? So the two questions to ask that I always ask when it comes to not today are, so what's stopping you making a positive decision in our favour at the moment? So that's information that's really valuable. It could be strategy, we're rewriting our travel risk policy, we've just appointed a new travel management company, we're going to see how they sort of work with us. All sorts of reasons why today is not the day. But then the most important question is, when might that day be more favourable? And that's where a lot of businesses, SMEs particularly, fall down. You manage that really well, don't you, in terms of how you forward plan your sort of time scale and when's the right time to catch them. So you must have converted people that you've been talking to two or three years and then when the timing's right, click, boom, they come back and go, let's have this product. Give us, do you want to give us an example? I know you don't want to breach any confidentiality of names, but give us some examples of where stuff's been sat on that pipeline for ages, but through your effective management of that data, the timing, you've managed the timing and it's come to fruition. Um, well, actually, again, it's more about people moving on who really love our stuff. So I guess an, another example is a lady who um, actually was working for that financial institution that I mentioned mm. um, and then she went on to work for a huge big New York media agency um, and now she's moved on to um, another industry um, which is completely unrelated and um, in fact she just called me and you know we, we started a conversation and that's probably going to be one of our second biggest deals ever mm. because we've maintained that relationship yeah um, so where that's worked really well, uh, or what's worked for that deal, is that, you know, we really like each other anyway, so we get on like a house on fire. So, you know, we might meet up in London when I'm there, we might go for a walk in Regent's Park yeah. and, uh, you know, just have a have a chat. And um, and then I what I've also done is organised um, a drinks event. So twice a year I invite really senior um, females um, who work in travel risk, because typically there's just one of them. Mm. Um, and they... Um, they're a bit lonely and they want to meet with other women who are in the same industry and share experiences. And, and as you can imagine, we're niche, they're even nicher because yeah. they're the only one, only female in their organisation. And doing these organisations are massive, aren't they? They oh, have one person with one yeah. responsibility, no one to talk to. Yeah, exactly. So we get them together, absolutely zero selling. That's not the agenda mm. at all. It's all about relationship building. Um, but, you know, they say that people will buy from people who they know, who they like and who they trust. Mm. Um, and if I know deep inside that this is not, you know, just to make a quick book, it's, it is about that longevity and actually changing the world and making it a safer place for, for women, then they, they, they get that. Yeah. I think also you are pretty good with a glass of champagne and a canopy in your hand, aren't you? I've seen you, I've seen you in action in those kind of environments. You do fit quite well in a, with a canopy and a glass of champagne, don't you? Well, who's ever going to turn down, you know, a nice event at the Savoy? That's a fair point. Okay. So... A couple of questions about growing your clients, okay? So how do you go about growing a client relationship once you've won them? Because in sales, there's a lot of people chasing the business, but then they don't necessarily have the same strategy or strategic approach to developing the business once they've won it. You know, it's all about the chase, it's all about the win. How do you go about growing your client spend across your range of products and services? What's your strategy for that? Well, if you can imagine that a client's maybe done a pilot with us for a travel safety workshop, 
Um, if we go in and we blow their socks off, mm-hmm. they're going to buy more. Um, and in fact, I, I did did one a couple of weeks ago on Canary Wharf, and um, and literally, I'd not even got out the door, and somebody had taken the time to get our email address off our website and email me and the buyer to say, "Wow, this workshop was phenomenal." Um, it was a guy actually, and he said, "I learned so much that I'm going to share that now with my wife." Mm. Um, you know, and then the email started to flood into the buyer to say, "Wow, this was really valuable. So pleased that you've done this." So. By nature, we're going to grow that client mm. because we're really good at, at what we do. Um, other things that we might do is, um, for example, one of our clients is one of the big sort of um, LA-based media companies. Yeah. Um, and they like lots of video in our um, training sessions. And so when we do something for a client that we think, oh, actually, that other client might quite like that. I would then go to another client and say, look, we've just started including video in, in, in our workshops or more video. Would you like some of this? And so mm. every time we deliver and something's really good, we go back and offer it to another client. So everything gets better and better and better and better. So mm. we're never complacent. We don't always, you know, keep delivering the same thing. Um, other things that we will do, obviously, is, you know, share things that I think that are going to be useful for them. In fact, I've just nominated um, three of our clients for an award. Wow. Um, you know, we'll be taking them to a nice event. So it is about always, you know, really cherishing your, your good clients and building that, that relationship and that partnership. I do think <clears throat> what you've sort of alluded to with, you know, running a drinks event and <clears throat> nominating your clients for award events, that kind of thing is that's you investing back in your business as well, isn't it? A lot of people um, run small businesses and they would go, oh, you know, it looks a bit expensive or it just looks a bit awkward, too difficult to deal with. But you see that's part of your growth strategy, don't you? It's not, it's not, it's a, it's a marketing function. Let's organise a drinks event. It's relationship build. There's a cost involved. But if you do it really well and do it properly or you go to an awards dinner, yes, there's a cost involved, including time. But that's just part of your business development approach, isn't it? Well, I mean, I'm absolutely terrified of cold calling, you know. So I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather do a really nice event, um, you know, which is which is low key and sophisticated, rather yeah. than just bashing the phones with people who are never going to want to speak to you. They get cold all day long. Um, so <coughs> I just think it's it's more effective to do that. And, and as you talked about earlier, the one to many, um, you know, I don't I don't go to networking events ever no. unless I'm speaking mm. and that might sound really pompous but actually if I'm on stage and I'm talking to a hundred people you know and I know how long it would take to cold call a hundred people because mm. they don't all sit there waiting to answer the phone you might have to call them five times so that's maybe 500 calls for in exchange for 40 minutes on stage where yeah. they have to listen to you mm. because they're in the audience and you're on the stage well the other thing there that does come down to uh, putting yourself out there you, obviously you, you do appear as you said uh, you are better than you think you are at this but you know cold calling is not for you i don't think cold calling necessarily is also part of your business plan warm calling is definitely a work, you know the follow up to those events where people have seen you and, and that that's a different approach um how would you encourage other people who run businesses, who've got a really good story to tell or a niche positioning or something just interesting and genuine, how would you encourage them to to follow your path, which is the one-to-many, put yourself out there, getting invited to speak at events? What would you what would you say to them? I'd say definitely um, have a slant or an angle on mm-hmm. your on your product, particularly if you're, everybody's selling your product. You know, if you're selling website creation, for example, yeah. and search engine optimization, then you need you need a sort of slant on that. Um, I really like social selling, so writing articles on LinkedIn, 
Um, LinkedIn's a fantastic source of um, inbound referrals for mm. us. Um, start small with the speaking engagements um, because they, they genuinely do build speaking engagements. So the more you do, more people see you, more people want to book you. Mm. Um, and then another thing that worked quite well for us is doing research. And so um, in 2016, 2017, we ran the Women in Business Travel um, research and we looked at the issues impacting female business travellers. And they were quite startling. So yeah. that's great. That's press fodder, clickbait to some extent. Yeah. Um, so got that out. Um, then you can contact conference uh, organisers and say, We've just done a piece of research, we've got some really interesting stats. Can we come and present them at your conference? Mm. They love that. Well, to be honest, conference organisers and event organisers, I speak at, at various events, the same as you, not on the same subjects, but if you, they'd, have, they'd rather have a volunteer to speak than trying to find somebody, wouldn't they? It makes it easy for them as well. So as long as you've got something interesting, relevant, punchy, or just maybe controversial in some respects, they're going to want you in their their sort of um, uh, audience of, of well, they're going to want you in their in their group of, of potential speakers, aren't they? So so you actively look for the kind of events that are going to have you know women travellers or travel risk people in the room. Yeah, so if our pipeline's getting a bit same, same, you know, and we're like, oh, we know everybody who's in there, we know what we're doing with these deals, could do with a bit of, you know, sort of fresh blood in there, mm-hmm. then absolutely we say, well, like, let's turn the tap on a little bit on speaking engagements. And even by just verbalising that, sometimes they start to come in. And I don't accept every speaking engagement. You know, if it's not really our industry, mm. then, um, then you know, we'll charge for it. So, yeah. you know, if it's absolutely our audience of, you know, people or decision makers you know they're keen to buy they're, they're right in our ballpark then might not charge a speaking gig but a uh, f- speaker fee but if you know for example it's somebody who wants us to go and speak to a lot of security managers uh, sorry insurance managers mm. um then we have to weigh up you know is it good use of our time are there any um, prospects going to be in the audience and if they're not then then we won't do it yeah because actually there's no value in that to you in terms of spreading the the, the message because these people are going to be the blockers that are going to be in the way going forward aren't there's no point there's no point to inspire people who don't want to be inspired on your subject matter no it's it's back to the yacht versus job analogy isn't it it I, might be good for the ego it might be a glamorous location but yeah. is it going to put money in the bank yeah is it going to get you closer to the yacht or closer to going back to work okay well i always end the podcast with asking my guests who are um, you know they come from all sorts of, of backgrounds i want to ask you one question if you could share one tip with the listeners or viewers about running an effective sales function what would that be and given that you've said a few times that you don't see yourself as a sales professional i think this would be really interesting to lots of business owners who also don't see themselves as sales professionals what's the one tip you would say to being effective in your sales i would say monitor your deals like a heat-seeking missile so <laughs> wow <laughs> you know um as i say we do our sales meeting on a on a monday we look at the deals that are due to uh, convert this month is it going to convert what do we need to do to get it to convert what's due to convert next month and so you know we don't leave any sort of stones unturned in terms of trying our level best to get that to to happen mm. So it comes down to data, it comes down to relentless pursuit, and it comes down to heat-seeking missiles then. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, Carolyn, that's been absolutely fascinating. I'm sure people who are, you know, a bit nervous about selling who run businesses and think obviously they need to be sort of more effective at that will be inspired by the fact that you've got a, such a, a successful global business and brand built on the back of not being that person who does your traditional stuff. But some really valuable tips in there in terms of, you know, putting yourself out there, knowing your audience and making, you know, taking a few 
calculated risks, but in, in the right places. So it's been an absolute pleasure, Carolyn. Thank you. Your contact details will be on the back of the podcast for people to contact Maiden Voyage. And, uh, and I hope that you've enjoyed the session. It's been great. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Excellent.